to Building Vibrant Communities, a podcast for anyone interested in supporting and being part of the future success of our cities and towns. This podcast is a collaboration of team members of Patronicity and Bench Consulting from across the country. This series will feature Barbara Lash in Michigan, Jonathan Burke in Boston, Ibrahim Varachia in Oakland, Mahela Clayton in Michigan, and me, Bridget Anderson, here in Indiana. Thanks for joining us. This is Barbara Lash from Grand Rapids, and I am joined by my colleague, Jonathan Burke from Massachusetts. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Barbara. How are you? (laughs) Today, we're excited to welcome Kim Van Driel, who is the Director of Public Space Management for Downtown Grand Rapids, Inc., also known as DGRI. Um, They're responsible for city building and place management in the urban core of the city of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Kim plays a vital and critical role in their mission. Welcome, Kim. Thank you for having me. So maybe start off by just telling us a little bit about DGRI. Sure. Um, So Downtown Grand Rapids, Inc. started, um, gosh, like six years ago now. Um, We're an umbrella organization that houses the Downtown Development Authority, the um, Downtown Improvement District, and the Monroe North TIFA tax increment finance um, through the city of Grand Rapids. So we're a partner with the city of Grand Rapids. And basically, we're just city building. We've got our hands involved in anything and everything to do with downtown when it comes from retail to transportation to arts to events, holiday decor. I mean, you name it, we've got our hands involved in some way or another. I've been with the DDA for uh, I think like going on nine years now. So I've been there for quite a while and been with DGRI um, since we started. Um, and how has your role changed since you started? Oh, it's changed drastically. I mean, our team's grown from when we started. Um, I mean, when I initially started at the Downtown Development Authority, it was like, I think three permanent staff members. Um, and we really joined um, the, the point of DGRI um, combining all of these entities was to be more efficient um, with staffing and um, moving projects forward. So since we started uh, six years ago now, um, our team, I think we're at like 11 or 12 employees, um, full-time employees. And... Um, I started off as um, a part-time originally at the DDA and helping with like social media stuff and graphic design. And then I really got um, involved in events and um, planning events like the movies uh, in the park was um, my baby from the get-go and then grew from there just a lot of events. And now I've just, um, I have a team that helps helps me with the events and we have a great event planner um, on staff now too, to be able to help me. And so I'm really focused on uh, activation through whether it's events, programming, um, a lot of public art, placemaking efforts in um, park, like park development, park redesign, stuff like that. So, and I'm heavily in, um, involved with couple different community organizations. So like Friends of Grand Rapids Parks, I serve on their board and I also serve on the parks, um, the city of Grand Rapids Parks board as well to help advise. Um, So no one could have foreseen kind of the monumental changes that 
impacted us globally right, right this year. Um, and your team's work was essentially shut down for a few months um, while you regrouped. Can you talk to us just about like how that shifted your goals and priorities? Yeah, I mean, I'd say unlike a lot of other um, companies and organizations and institutions that did shut down, we didn't. We, um, we didn't go into the office, yes, but um, we were still very busy. Uh, we had to pivot everything that we were initially planning. So it was quite the opposite of stopping. It was rethinking, regrouping, um, and planning how to move forward with, with what we're working with, especially with uncertain times, like un, uncertain time of like, okay, by this date, we'll be back open and activated. It wasn't like that, you know, it was, they kept adding more dates and um, it kept throwing us for a loop. So you could never really plan for sure. It was all like, okay, get everything ready to go for when you are given the thumbs up so you can just launch. And um, that took a lot of quick and nimble, um, processing and planning with our team, um, our planning uh, and architect on staff really worked hard to design all of the social zones that you see in the downtown and worked with the city staff to be able to allow us to be able to do stuff like that. That was pretty quick and nimble um, and get the, get our feet running. Uh, I mean, we purchased a ton of tables and chairs and, you know, umbrellas and planners and stuff before we were even a, technically allowed to shut the street down streets down and activate we were just as prepared as possible so 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 for somebody who's not familiar with grand rapids not familiar with the the interventions you've done over the last few weeks and probably a lot of our listeners too can you go over a little bit about what the idea behind the social zones was and then kind of what it looks like too the social zones are there for adding additional like public seating um, for businesses because they're only allowed to have so much capacity inside and it's so much safer um, and more inviting, quite frankly, you know, to be outside, especially in the summer. And a lot of our footprint doesn't allow for um, retail or our downtown businesses to have an outdoor patio or a large patio, maybe a couple seats, you know, but with um, restrictions on sidewalk um, and pathway, um, it, it's difficult to find those spaces. So what we were able to do is basically what you think, when you think of a parklet, um, taking up spots that are normally for cars um, and putting them back for people, which is what they should be for. Um, that's the choir. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so that was what the real um, plan was that we're taking yep. space and giving it back to the people and the merchants to be able to use and utilize. And it's just, it's blown up. I mean, we've closed, there's certain streets that we've closed completely down and there's other streets that, uh, they're just temporary lane closures or an expansion of an, a lane closure. So we kind of do a bulb out and uh, add seating and infrastructure in place, but much like a parklet. Um, but there's so many benefits to doing that. One, the, the business owner gets to still operate, right, and have more people there. You're outside and being safer with social distancing, and you're also enjoying, you know, nature, of course. But it also helps with traffic problems, too. Um, you might think that it might deter people, you know, with traffic and uh, 
create a more um, a bigger problem with cars and stuff. But actually, the reality of it is people drive slower in those areas. We have less traffic problems, and it just creates such a more inviting and um, vibrant area when you're seeing a bunch of people outside, you know, seated rather than just this like asphalt um, park, you know, and a lot of and a lot of places. So we're just basically looking at our park spaces um, and utilizing those spaces back for the businesses. So they're kind of able to program whatever they want. If they want to do music, if they want to do seating, games. So every business is just kind of taken their little like zone area and made it them made it their own, you know. So what's what's been the response from the public in Grand Rapids, the customers, the businesses, and the business owners themselves? Has it been I mean, I know you, you get, depending on the community here in Massachusetts, you get different responses to, oh my gosh, you're taking parking spaces, you're taking street space to, yeah. why didn't we do this before? This is great. Yeah. Well, change is scary yep. for everyone. Yeah. Um, so as much as people don't want to admit, you know, sometimes change can be scary, but right off the get-go, we had some people that were like, yes, let's do this. And I mean people were figuring out ways themselves and like really pushing it forward. Others were certainly apprehensive. And then once they um, saw things not getting necessarily better or there's other restrictions on them, they warmed up a little bit. And now, I mean, we've got some, some that were completely against it that are taking this on to a whole nother level now. And it's become something totally different. And now it's like, yeah, why, why don't we do this more often? Hmm. Like, I am getting more business this way. And it really has changed things, um, I think, for the better. I mean, this is a really crappy situation, right, globally. But it's the positive of it is that it has made people um, begin to be a little more open-minded and to try new things. And I think that that's what city building and placemaking is all about. It's trying things. If it doesn't work, okay, scrap it. We tried it, move on, you know? So that's what this is, is it's, it's a learning curve and um, we're all just trying to try to get as much knowledge as we can on this. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. I mean, I think when we talk to communities here, I always use this quote from WHO when this whole pandemic first started and that perfection was the enemy of success. Um, and <laughs> I think that is something that, especially in Massachusetts where we have such like, ingrained ideas around having to have 12, 16 months of community process before anything is done, that would be your death nail here. Um, so I think it's been great to kind of see, okay, we have to adopt this idea. Let's just try things, right? Do it yeah. better, quicker, cheaper, get things in the ground, and then start to kind of iterate and see what works and what doesn't work. So it's great to hear you guys are doing that uh, yeah. in Grand Rapids and really letting the business owners themselves kind of take this on and own it themselves too. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's fun. It's definitely changed the footprint of our downtown. And I think personally for the, the better, um, it's especially in the summer, you know, you, <laughs> you want to see more people and be on the streets. And um, by doing this, we were able to do that. So it's been nice. How was, um, you know, usually like Jonathan mentioned, these processes to get approval for things takes forever. Um, how did the city change its ordinances and, and work with you and the restaurant owners in getting this done quickly? Well, I think it really comes from our leadership from the top down. Um, you know, we've got a really great 
um, mayor and we have a new um, city manager that's lived in a, I mean, he ran a Austin, you know, so come having those two um, lead us and be able to say, figure it out. You know, we've got to be able to figure this out. Our city depends on it. I think that that's a real motivator and having two progressive people think of that are open to trying new things really helps to move things forward. So, you know, we've seen these things being done all over the world. There's no reason why it can't be done here in, you know, Grand Rapids or it can't be done anywhere. You know, there's always, there's a will, there's a way. So I think everyone that's works with government knows how the bureaucracy process happens and how long it takes to get things accomplished. And I would say that, um, with this situation, um, everyone's been a lot more nimble and willing to try because they are, they see the seriousness in this and, um, you know, they want to, they want to see our city not fail. So figuring out any way to make it succeed, I think everyone's kind of on board. You talked about, I think, trying new things and, and getting kind of experience, uh, experimental with some of the interventions that you've done. What's next? Um, I think that's sort of becoming the question here too that a lot of communities are asking is what do we do when it gets cold? Like you're in Michigan, we're in Boston, it's going to snow at some point. Um, have you given any thought to sort of, and no can be an answer. It's, there's a lot of things to do right now to respond to summer activations. Um, but have you guys given any thought to what to do when it starts snowing and gets colder and people may not be as inclined to be outside dining yeah. and drinking and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think, well, that's a challenge that we deal with every year anyway. Every year. You know, we our master plan is really, um, you know, we have a very robust spring through fall events and programming season here in Grand Rapids. It's very busy, um, lots of activity, but we don't have a lot in the winter. And that's really what our team like focuses on is, okay, how do we get people to realize like, dude, you, you chose to live in Michigan. You know, we're a four season city, like activities and fun to, don't stop because there's snow on the ground. How do you integrate snow or ice and that and have people come out? And we've been successful these past few years when implementing large um, programming and um, events and activities and getting people out and kind of challenging that thinking. I think it's so, we're still going to have to be doing that. We're going to have to be looking at, um, bringing fun, creative things here for people to be able to do that, you know, they're not thinking about, oh, it's wet outside, you know, like it's, yeah. it, it's getting them to think um, about the fun that they're going to have. And, you know, we did that last year with um, bringing in Creos, which is a big art installation, and that brought thousands of people into the city, and it was freaking freezing, but people were out there like, you know, um, silent discoing in negative degree weather, like they don't, you know, they don't care. The people that are committed to the experience and trying new things and having fun will be there. So it's just trying to provide experiences for everyone. So when it comes to the um, social zones for the winter months, these are things that we're still going to have to look into what that looks like. I love what downtown Detroit does um, in the winter time where you know, there's fire pits everywhere and it's, um, you know, you can carry, we're working on an open carry liquor license change here for the state of Michigan. Um, so that I think will help change some things. 
right now it's illegal technically for open fire pits like that in our city. But I think that, again, this is going to be a quick possible change where we can try some things here this winter. Uh, heated tents, you know, there, there's a lot of different things that we're going to have to do, but it's all stuff that we definitely didn't plan for. And, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to kind of guinea pig it, test it out a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's more the winter, the idea of being cooped up indoors in winter, I think is more a mentality than anything else. And it's a mentality yeah. shift. I mean, you look at, uh, we were in Toronto in January, a couple of years ago, working with a group up there. I was in Montreal in the middle of minus seven degrees in January a few years ago. And there are people biking outside and there are people drinking and going to concerts outside. So they're, you can do it. It's not going to kill you. It's just a matter of how do you mentally put yourself in that mentality and that headspace of, okay, it's okay to be outside if it's snowing Mm -hmm. (laughs) a few hours. I mean, the people that want to stay inside and hibernate are going to stay inside and hibernate, you know, but. And there's those people that, (laughs) there's those people that do that when it's 97 degrees and humid, like it was in Boston yesterday, like me. So (laughs) do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hibernate in the heat, not really. I hate winter. it. It's brutal. I'd rather be outside <laughs> yeah. in the seven degree weather than the 97. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <Yeah. laughs> True. Um, well, I, I just want to shift a little bit um, because, you know, Grand Rapids was the scene of some peaceful protests. Um, it also experienced quite a bit of destruction to small businesses when that, you know, rioting ensued after the protests. So, DGRI played a role in kind of the aftermath of that and working on, you know, how our community processes that and heals. And so if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, art, I think art heals so much. Um, and you're creating equity through art um, within a city, um, especially specifically with a, the Windows GR project. Um this was brought to us by a few property owners originally and were like, you know, after the a destruction with the windows had happened, they were like, can we get some artists to paint this? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we got to figure out a better solution on this. So we, um, they were in touch with us and um, uh, a colleague of mine, Hannah Berry, who owns Lions and Rabbits Art Gallery that we've worked with quite, quite often with projects um, and Hannah and I started going back and forth, figuring out, okay, what do we, what can we, you know, do with this? And she had a great idea of, okay, like this should be run by, it's not, not me. Um, she's a white female. Um, but she understands the process of working with all of these different property owners and city processes and stuff. So it was her hiring, um, seven artists, uh, liaisons and people of color to help organize this event and this, um, initiative that just swept, um, the city. I mean, it was so cool to see so many people out there painting and being able to, um, you know, paint what they wanted. And it it created such activity. It was like a ghost town downtown. It was it was eerie. It felt weird being down there when everything was boarded up and you couldn't tell if the business was open or closed. And then just like, you know, some paint and some activity just changes the, changes the game so much. And, um, by the end of it, I mean, it, we had, I think like around 130 or 40 
um, roughly around that, um, artists that painted. And most were all people of color that were down there painting messages of hope and whatever that they wanted to share about their experience. Um, one with being, you know, a minority or sharing a message about the importance of Black Lives Matter and um, the importance of just equity and raising people up in a, in a city. And it's it was very powerful. And from that, we had so many people reach out on, what are you going to do with the boards next? What's what's happening after this? And we're working with that that on um, the group of artists that's now a collective, and they're creating their own LLC, and um, they're be becoming organized and they're going to be starting um, programming and planning and event organizing in their own like company. So just from this one thing that already exploded into something so powerful and wonderful has now created um, an, a different opportunity for these, for these artists. Um, and they're working on the next steps in a bigger, larger event um, and to be able to sell some of that artwork and, you know, so their, their message is not still lost, like just because the windows are maybe down and there might not be a protest or um, a riot going on at that day, the message still carries on, you know, so they're, they're working on that. And it's been a great project to be a part of. It's been a powerful one here. Very quick, too. It was like within days of it happening. It, it was a quick flip around. And um, yeah, I again, think one of the... <laughs> Like you said, it was very powerful. You know, I took several trips with friends to go look at it, bike around, experience it. Um, and what really struck me was, again, the volume, right? So just the yeah. amount of artwork. And then the messaging, which in kind of normal times would probably not be approved or, you know, would be a long process to try to get approval on. And so just yeah. to see it and have it be so immediate and be um, so authentic, you know, I think yeah. it's really very powerful. It's a very sticky um, slope, you know, like we have a process here in the city where it's, you know, it can't be anything political or religious or sexual in nature um, that gets approved for public art. And I find that a very scary thing when you're silencing um, freedom and freedom of expression and freedom of thought. Like, and I think that's what that ultimately is doing by not allowing people to express themselves. I do understand it, you know, being on public property, but even if it's on private property, you know, like people should be able to express how, how they feel and what they want. And if you don't like it, you don't have to read it. You don't have to, you know, so, but I get, I get the um, city side of it as well, but it's, yeah, it was a definite, well, definitely different process than what normally was approved. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, we're all adults. You're going to, you're going to piss someone off no matter what you do. <laughs> you're going to upset somebody. Um, and it's just, it's never going to be a win-win, but it is a win-win because you're, you're sharing a message and share, showing that it's okay to be vulnerable and share your opinion and thoughts and feelings. And uh, yeah. And even in power, even creating a dialogue, you know, yes, and I think exactly again in a city that is predominantly white um, with a black community that feels disenfranchised and unheard. Yeah. It was so powerful to give a canvas to a group. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so from that, you know, both the experience of COVID and the, you know, civil unrest, 
has that altered how you and your group are approaching projects, like to make them more equitable, accessible for everyone? You know, has it, it kind of shifted the dialogue with your group and the city? Um, I mean, it. this definitely has stepped up some stuff. I mean, I think our team works really, really hard um, and has always worked really hard since our since we started downtown Grand Rapids Inc. to try to make everything as inclusive um, as possible when we're doing projects. Um, we still have a long way to go, but it's really about, it's about equity, you know, like it's, it's giving other opportunities to different people. And it's really about like, is giving, giving the opportunity to people that want that opportunity and not just shutting the door. So I think um, the city has a long way to go and real conversations are being had right now. If you haven't tuned into our city commission meetings, you know, they're, they're intense right now. Six hours. Yeah. They're, there's a lot going on, but it's important. This Everything that's going on right now is extremely important and it's way past due. So yeah, I think, you know, tying back into kind of the art is healing. I saw that DGRI and the city are doing, have kind of expanded the walking tours. So now it's right. Bringing people again down for activities, going to different walking tours, looking at art, you're working on some mural projects. Can you talk about what you're doing right now? Yeah, um, we have like about 20 art installations happening in downtown this summer. Um, we just finished the recover of Rainbow Road, which was our first like large street mural in downtown in honor of Pride Month. We did that last year, so we just did kind of a repaint, a revamp. Um, it's become a staple in our downtown now. Everybody knows Rainbow Road. Um, right now I'm working on a project um, called Women's Way, and it's um, last year uh, we brought in, or we did this public art initiative with mechanical boxes, electrical boxes called Rad American Women, A through Z, which is based off the book um, that Kate Schatz wrote, and it's a children's book honoring um, women leaders, uh, American women leaders, and we hired a bunch of different artists, painted all these mechanical boxes, brought the artists or brought the author in, hosted all these events. And now we have all these walking tours on a regular basis and it really has just become its own thing. Um, Barbara, you were even able to paint one of the boxes, which yeah. was awesome. Um, so th that project just blew up and means a lot to our community, which is great to see. But the author, when she was here, Kate had, and she was just on Conan the other day. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, Savian, if you haven't checked her out, okay, check her out on Conan. Yeah. Um, she said something that just like really resonated with me and it was so powerful was that, you know, she travels all over the world and it's very rare that she ever sees anything named after women. And that just like, you know, when I'm sitting there thinking about it, I'm like, damn, like you're right. Like I never, I never really thought about that. Like all of our street names named after white men. Like it, it just like all of our buildings or monuments, like white men, like it, it's, it's rare that you see anything named after a woman. And I was like, what can we do to, what can we do to change that? You know, how do we bring that to the forefront of people's minds that this is a, 
global problem. This isn't just Grand Rapids. This is everywhere you go that it's rare, you know, and with our um, goal of alley activation and um, doing programmings and activities in alleyways, it's very, none of them are named. Um, So it's not like you can be like, Hey, there's an alley party in this alley in between. Like it's, it becomes difficult. So I'm like, how do we create public art and um, equity and honor local history and activate alleyways and um, in honor of women? So that's basically what this project is. It's flipping the script on a negative narrative with women in our in our history of alleyways, which isn't very positive. Um, and it's taking ownership of that negative and changing changing the script of it. And we're honoring women or naming these alleyways throughout our city now um, after local women that have paved the way for our community um, and um, being able to do ribbon cutting ceremonies and events and other kinds of stuff. So we've hired local artists to do a big mural of the woman um, in the alleyway. And then we'll be doing programming um, along with that and creating like plaques and all that stuff, all with local artists and be able to do more um, walking tours or city loves walking tours apparently. Um, so, you know, being able to try, try the change the narrative and we're working with, uh, the greater Grand Rapids women's history council with this project here locally. And, um, it just, it's just started on this last couple, um, weeks, our artists have started and they're already looking really awesome. So yeah, just honoring our local history and trying to point that out that like, Hey, you know, it doesn't just have to be these alleyways. You, you got a new building or there's a new park coming out. Like let's name it after some women. So I guess like we just have a few minutes left. So maybe just kind of bringing it all together, you know, like 2020 started off, we had noble plans and then everything got shifted, but you know, through all the chaos and um, difficulty, you know, it looks like some great things are emerging. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think, it's not just, not just here in GR, but like some of the stuff that I'm seeing globally and nationally, you know, everyone's really stepping up their game and trying to figure this situation out. We're all hurting. So it's, I mean, it's community building from afar. Like we're really sharing best, best practices now and um, really watching one another. And uh, it's, it's awesome to see that. Jonathan, anything else too? No, I think that's that's it. I mean, it's been great to hear what you're working on. And I think you just hit a, a really good point too, which is um, idea sharing from afar. And I think that's kind of what we hope to do with this podcast too, is let people kind of share what they're working on um, yeah. and spread that message across the world and let other people be inspired by some of that work. So great yeah, to absolutely. hear what you're doing. And excited to see what comes next. Keep us in the loop on the winter stuff too. Absolutely. <laughs> Happy to. <laughs> Fire and ice. Fire and ice. Fire and ice ice always. (laughs) Well, thank you, Kim, so much um, for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.